Welcome back and welcome to our backstory conversation <clears throat> with Rand O'Brien. Welcome, Rand. Hello. And you are a first time storyteller with us and you've also joined us in several workshops. So Amy and Pat and I and all of us appreciate the work you've done on your story. You've put in the work and it shows very nicely done. Thank you. Thank and you. Let's plunge right in. In your bio, to me, you mentioned that in retirement, you're now focusing on photography and writing and poetry, and of course, now storytelling. And I would suggest and have argued on this program and elsewhere that first-person storytelling, song lyric writing, and narrative poetry are really three facets of what is fundamentally the same thing, the universal aspect of the first-person story. And we might add that photography is a form of storytelling as well, so I wanted to start in with that. Rand, how do you see the relationship between these or do you see any relationship between storytelling and song lyric writing and poetry? Good Lord, what a question. <laughs> Plunge right <laughs> in. <laughs> I think the best answer to that is yes. <laughs> Care to say I, a little bit I, more I, about that? Well, you know, I came to storytelling. I watched a couple of great storytellers and when I thought about it, it really has as much to do with anything sitting around listening to these old German farmers tell their stories. Um, Fred used to tell me stories all the time. Of, you know, he used to run liquor between Chicago and Rock Island, you know, uh -huh. um, back in the 20s during Prohibition or working on steam engines, not train steam engines, but steam engines for threshing, which we don't have a lot of those out here in New England, but they're all over the place in the right. Midwest. And I heard those stories over and over and over. And um, I think in terms of poetry, I do tend to, um, I bend towards more of a narrative poem than necessarily T.S. Eliot or some right. of the more esoteric poems because I like stories. And my photography on the other hand, tends to be, I really like architecture and I really, most of my photos don't have human beings in them. And I think at some level, that's from doing therapy for 50 years. I, I was involved intensely in relationships and there was a part of my life that didn't have to do with human beings and that's <laughs> photography. So, but they uh -huh. tend to tell a story too. Well, you grew up in Davenport, as you've mentioned, and I lived very briefly in Waterloo, Iowa, years ago when I served a small congregation in Cedar Falls, Iowa. So I have a little bit of a feeling for your state of origin. And then Minnesota is kind of the cousin to the north, notably home to Lake Wobegon and Garrison Keeler, whom you've mentioned in a workshop. And Garrison Keeler once concluded an essay about conversations with among his with and among his 15 uncles by saying, and that's why Iowa is important. It's a major state of driveway philosophers, which I take it was a kind of compliment from Garrison Keillor, driveway philosophers. So maybe that's what you were talking about a little bit just a moment ago. But the, so my question is, is Iowa a natural source of driveway discussions or storytelling? What do you think about that? Well, remember back when the quarters first came out, the quarter dollars, and each state put on their quarter 
the thing that was sort of the symbol of the state. Um, and Iowa, their symbol on the quarter was the one room schoolhouse. And Iowa at one point had the highest literacy rate in the country. And, you know, I think it's all those Germans and Swedes and, you know, the education was very important. And I think there's something to that. If, you, if you're old enough, you probably took the Iowa basic skills course somewhere along the way. Um, education was important. And I think that that in part is still true. Um, that there's something about Isle, uh, to live there, it's Midwest. And that's what Keeler's about, is Midwest. Right. Whether, right. whether you live on a farm or you live in Minneapolis, if you talk to people, you know it's Midwest. I remember after living in New England for about 20 years, I ended up in Chicago and got a cup of coffee and somebody asked me, how you doing? And actually I jumped back because they said it as though they really meant it, you know? It wasn't Dunkin' Donuts. It was like, um, it's Midwest. And there's something about the Midwest, which is, uh, well, it's just as much nicer to live in as a human being. Well, next, uh, you spent your career, as you've mentioned, as a psychotherapist. And I want to turn to that for a a little while. My career was in the ministry, and part of my ministerial training was in pastoral counseling. So we have kind of cousin backgrounds. And I found particularly helpful the insightful work of rabbi and family therapist Edwin Friedman. And one of the things I learned and continually relearned from his work and from supervision is that a key component of healing lies in the kind and quality of stories that we tell. So I wonder, did you see or hear or use storytelling in your work, in your therapy? Wonder, thought maybe we could talk about that for a little while. Well, I think one of the reasons why I did, I think reasonably well as a therapist was that I was a Midwesterner in New England. Um, And people enjoyed talking with me because I was easy to talk to. but the other thing is, um, I told a lot of stories in, in therapy. I was a collector of stories. I, I studied the Holocaust a lot, um, gathered a lot of stories in my work with trauma. I, I gathered stories, and then I would share those stories with the people that I worked with. It wasn't necessarily their story, but it was right. their story. Um, and some of it was my story. Um, and so I found stories just to be very, very important. Um, and at some level, there's a little bit of theater and therapy, like there's a little bit of theater in school, and there's a little bit of therapy and learning, which is people can hear things better through a story than necessarily telling somebody directly, Stop doing that. That's really stupid. <laughs> no, you can't say that. Right, you know? right, right. Never but I can say it through a story. Right. And I think part of the point that Edwin Friedman and other pastoral counselors have made is that personal changes and the healing that takes place through personal changes sometimes comes through the stories that clients or patients tell 
and retell and the way they re-image their stories as they kind of move through the healing process. Is that something that you find to be true too? Oh, yes, yes. I think that helping people change their stories is, is absolutely crucial. Well, you can't say change your story. <laughs> you you, you can't <laughs> gently sort of start bending, bending the limb a little bit. Yeah. Um, very definitely, very definitely. Um, Yes, yes, I would agree with that. I think um, as you were talking, I thought of something and now it's gone out of my brain. So um, <laughs> welcome to my brain. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I, I think storytelling really is, lies at the heart of what we do in work of psychotherapy or the work of ministry in a way. It's, as I was saying a minute ago, it's re-imaging who we are and how we are in this world. And we do it in and by means of and through the stories that we tell and the stories that are told to us. <clears throat> well, um, another question for you on a whole different level, but it's a question. I remembered what I was gonna say. Oh, good, go fire it away. Back, it goes back to, I don't remember her name, but the, the older woman storyteller that introduced tonight, which is the, about relationship. And the core of therapy has to do with relationship. There's a whole ton of research out there that doesn't make much difference whether you're doing CBT or, you know, uh, you, name your, you name your kind of therapy that's out there. The most important variable is the therapist variable and whether or not the person has a good relationship with their therapist. And that's what creates change. And that's what we are, we're herd animals. We'd like to be in relationship with one another. And stories are the way that we connect and have a relationship with other people. Amen to that. Well, Amen. <laughs> Amen. So a short question, which relates to uh, the fact that we're doing this in June, as Sarah Bedingfield mentioned, we're doing this live in-person program at the Senior Center at the end of June. And it reminds me of an issue for me, and I'm interested in your response. It has to do with in-person advantages and disadvantages of in-person storytelling versus remote storytelling like on Zoom. So I'm just, I, just like to pick your brain on that. Yeah. Any thoughts about the pluses and minuses there? Well, I think that, you know, there's a lot of therapy being done over YouTube right now. Um, not YouTube, I'm sorry, but Zoom and other yeah. types of uh, uh, venues. And some of the therapists really like it better. And I think it's those therapists who need that distance because it's a distance that happens with uh, the Zoom communications versus being in the same room with the person. There's a lot you miss by on, online. And I think it's true as a storyteller also. Um, I told this story, excuse me, the, the other day to a group of people and having their reaction as with any performer, there's a give and a take. Yes. And I think sometimes I think storytellers 
want to keep it that, oh, shucks, we're just telling a story, you know, it doesn't. <laughs> but in the end, we're performers and performers, whether it's music or art or whatever, we want to we want to have a back and forth with the audience. Yeah. And I think it's harder to do over Zoom where everybody's, you know, pixelated versus being in the room and sort of feeling that back and forth interaction. My last question is a very short one in a sentence or two. How would you advise new or aspiring, aspiring storytellers to get started? How would I what? How would you advise newbies in to storytelling in a sentence or two? What would you suggest they should do to get started? What they should do? Yeah. Keep telling stories. Um, I, I thought the other two guys, I really enjoyed their stories. And they're, they're, it was a nice, um, uh, they were very different stories, very different stories. But they both, um, they were stories of the heart. And it, 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 they followed this wonderful circle and a loop that started at one place and then came back to that place. Mm -hmm. And that was really wonderful to hear. Well, thank you. Friends, this brings us to the end of our conversation with Rand O'Brien. Rand, thank you so much for your story and for our conversation. Thank you. And whether they're sourced from driveways or elsewhere, we hope to have more stories from you in the future. This also brings us to the end of our program. A couple of brief reminders. Our next event is next week. Our workshop is Tuesday, this February 7th, 7 to 8.30 p.m., as Kamisha mentioned. And if you are thinking about trying out a story, try out our workshop, a great place to start, and you can sign up on our website. You can learn more at truetaleslivenh.org. And while you're there, sign up for our e-newsletter, True Tales Times. And if you're already a subscriber, we have a favor to ask. We'd like to build our readership and thereby our audience, and we'd appreciate it if you'd share True Tales Times with your friends. Sharing your e-copy of the Times does not pre-commit them to subscribing. Our next show is Tuesday, February 28th. Our featured teller, Pat Spaulding. Yay, Pat. Tonight's show will be posted on PPM TV's YouTube channel. Thanks to our editor and producer, John Lovering. Matthew J. Kirby, author of middle grade children's books, writes of stories and suffering. Suffering, he says, is a part of life in this world, part of a cycle. Stories give you a way to see things, a way to understand the events of your life, even if you don't realize it while you're hearing the tale. That's our program for tonight. Thanks to our tellers and our crew and you. My name is David Brainer. Good night. <laughs>